I've entitled it is the COVID vaccine 666. Some have wanted to know. And I'll just tell you right away, we're not going to talk about all issues surrounding all the questions that you may have. But if you can get on the internet and go to YouTube, type in CCCSDA, Central California Conference of Seventh-day Adventists, CCCSDA, and you can get to their homepage where they have a whole series, a symposium. We talked about it earlier. It was really good. And if you didn't watch it, you'll want to see it because they talk about a lot of end time events in that symposium. It's called the Final Events Symposium or What's Next. There's a whole playlist of about 10 videos on that topic. So recently, and I'm going to put a, a face up here on the screen, recently this guy who serves as the Supreme Justice, uh, kind of like the, the head Supreme Court guy for South Africa, he made some comments, uh, rather it was in a prayer where he was praying. And, and some people... Uh, took issue with what he was praying because he, in his prayer, said, quote, I lock out every demon of COVID-19. I lock out any vaccine that is not of you. And if there be any vaccine that is of the devil, meant to infuse 666 in the lives of people, meant to corrupt your DNA, he said in the prayer, he was praying against these possible things. And so he was questioned on this, as people were curious what exactly he was referring to. Uh, and he, in this conference that happened the other Friday, he just said, well, I wasn't saying that the vaccine was going to put 666 on the cells of your body, but if there is a vaccine out there that's going to do that, I'm praying against that. And he was very firm in his position. And while this idea may seem strange to some, uh, many of you are quite familiar with these kinds of thoughts. Um, you've, you've heard about these ideas. Um, in fact, if you've been around for a while, you've probably heard of a lot of different ideas because as we look at Revelation, we're constantly wanting to know what is the fulfillment of these verses all about. Probably some of you remember when Social Security first came out. Got your Social Security number, and people, a lot of them, kind of freaked out. Like, hey, I don't want a number associated with me because is this against God? Is this against the Bible? Am I getting the mark of the beast now? Um, and so a number of people disavowed Social Security in those early days. Uh, and then uh, in the 1970s, IBM came up with a really cool system for helping organize things at the store. Can of red kidney beans, dark red. But on the side here, who knows what this is? Who, anybody? Yeah, exactly. It's a barcode. And actually, some look at, there's kind of some lines at the start and in the middle and then at the very end, uh, kind of these double lines. And people would say, see this, the, this is the number six, and that's another six, and that's another six. No one can buy or sell except has the mark of the beast. Um, and, and I don't share these things to, to say, well, you know, to try to make fun of different beliefs people have had. But I think today, most people no longer worry about your can of kidney beans, dark red. 
from Winco Foods, not sponsored, uh, that has the barcode on it. We just have kind of accepted it. In fact, the guy that invented this, his name's George Larer, um, he got a letter one day, and the letter was supposedly from Satan. Um, and it's, it asked Lar how it felt to have carried out his orders. <laughs> so, so somebody wrote a letter to him. Hey, George, how's it feel? You've carried out my orders. How does it feel now? Um, and so we wonder, and we have legitimate concerns, because, I mean, as you read Revelation, who wants to get the mark of the beast? I don't. I certainly don't. Uh, in more modern-day version of this is with the monster energy drinks. And there are videos that you can watch. And when you watch the video, it seems kind of compelling, like, oh man, this product is the mark of the beast. Uh, this is the devil's drink, which when you look at the ingredients, you know, it's not healthy for you. So um, we probably should avoid them just for the health content. But people wonder, um, what is this all about? When the internet prefix www was introduced, people wondered, could it be that, that these w's are in some way related to 666? There's actually a, a term that has been coined or created for the fear of 666. And as you could expect, it does have the word phobia in it, but before phobia, it's hexacosioi, hexaconta, hexaphobia. If you have fear of 666, that's the word for you. Recently in Texas, there was a school, uh, and I think it was well-meaning, but they said, hey, you know, sometimes when we have emergencies, we need to know instantly where all our students are. So they said, why don't, in their student ID badge, we put a little GPS chip so that we can tell, we can get on a tablet or something and know where are our students. Well, people kind of didn't like that idea, even though I think it had good intentions. But what actually bothered some parents even more was that it did have a barcode on it. And they said, we don't want any sort of number associated with our kids because this is the mark of the beast. Um, and so they actually sued the school district over this issue. One of the more memorable ones, and I'll close with this example, was when Ronald Reagan was president. Now, I wasn't alive then, but many of you were, and, and perhaps many of you remember how there was fear that Ronald Reagan was maybe the Antichrist. Um, and some people even would look at the, the various parts of his name, Ronald, Wilson, Reagan. Ronald, how many letters in Ronald? R-O-N-A-L-D, six, Wilson, six letters, and Reagan, each having six letters. And then it got even more interesting because Ronald Reagan was shot, wasn't he? They shot him. He didn't die. And so they looked to Revelation 13 where it says that the deadly wound was healed. And, and a lot of people were interested, and a lot of people we're looking to Ronald Reagan as the Antichrist, but now, uh, where's Ronald Reagan? He's resting. He's resting in the grave. 
unless my history is totally wrong. <laughs> He's no longer around. And so, again, another idea based on legitimate concerns, legitimate interest in knowing what the Bible's talking about, but another concern that ended up not being a concern after all. Now, what am I saying? Am I saying we shouldn't look at the things in our world and look at modern events and try to be careful? Of course not. Uh, but we do need to be careful that we don't allow the latest and greatest new interpretation to influence us and distract us from actually what may be the bigger issue. Um, and I'll be honest, uh, vaccines are an easy target for this kind of speculation. I mean, who wants to get a shot, first of all? I'm afraid of needles just in general, right? <laughs> um, but then, you know, just the topic of vaccines are very polarizing in our climate here today. Uh, and then there's fear about, well, is this going to be enforced? And are there going to be vaccine passports where you're going to have to show something before you go into a store or go on an airplane? And so they think about, you know, the buying and selling and, um, and quite frankly, the increased control of government is a scary thing no matter what your beliefs are. And we'll talk about that more in a moment. But I want to just give you a little side note here because I want to share something that may reassure some of you who have some of these well-intentioned concerns. Uh, let me read to you the official position of the Adventist Church on vaccination in case you're considering this issue for yourself. The Seventh-day Adventist Church places strong emphasis on health and well-being. The Adventist health emphasis is based on biblical revelation, the inspired writings of Ellen G. White, co-founder of the church, and on peer-reviewed scientific literature. As such, we encourage responsible immunization, vaccination, and help no religious or faith-based reason not to encourage our adherents to responsibly participate in protective and preventative immunization programs. We value the health and safety of the population, which includes the maintenance of, quote, herd immunity. We're not the conscience of the individual church member and recognize individual choices. These are exercised by the individual. The choice not to be immunized is not and should not be seen as the dogma nor the doctrine of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Some of you might be interested to note that even Ellen White herself, before she died, uh, received a vaccine. So she didn't see issue in just the concept of vaccination itself. But again, of course, everyone needs to decide for themselves. Uh, and if you're interested, there's going to be a fascinating webinar uh, next Sabbath at 2 p.m. And I'll put something on our Facebook page and we'll send it out in our weekly email, the information. Because it's a discussion on vaccination and also religious liberties and freedoms. There'll be a couple of lawyers for our church that we'll be representing. Uh, so interesting discussion. I think that you will find beneficial to yourself. And if you don't get our emails and you want to, call our church office because we want to put you on our email list. It's one of our easiest ways without bulletins these days to let you know what's going on in our church. Just as a personal matter, and we're not really going to talk a lot about vaccines because I really want to get more into the heart of the matter. Uh, what's the heart and the root of 666 and the mark of the beast? Uh, but speaking personally, if something like a vaccine will help keep me from getting sick, 
uh, potentially deadly sick, and if it will help me prevent spreading it on to other people, uh, for me, I think that's a good choice. Um, you have to make your own choices, consult with your own doctor. I'm not a medical professional, um, but that's kind of how I think about it. But let's come back to this issue of control, because this is a legitimate concern as we face this issue and a host of other issues, because if our prophetic understanding from Revelation is correct, there will come a day when we won't be able to do what we like to do as Seventh-day Adventist Christians, as people trying to follow Jesus and the teachings of Scripture. So there is no doubt that there is going to be this increased control uh, that will one day really truly prevent us in big and serious ways from following our conscience as we believe we should. But I want to make an observation here. And the observation is this. Just because control is involved or force involved, that doesn't automatically mean that it's bad. We know that, that, that the mark of the beast involves force. The working of Satan involves coercion and force. Jesus invites us freely to follow him. The beast, that involves force. But just because something is forced doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. For example, seatbelts. They're legislated, and people didn't like it when they were, and you can get a ticket if you don't put one on. But that's really a good idea behind uh, seatbelts. Traffic rules. We are forced by fear of fines or imprisonment or safety concerns to obey the traffic rules. But they're for our own good. Um, building safety codes. I'm so thankful that there was a state to enforce building safety codes when the church was constructed because I never worry about the church collapsing on us when we're here on Sabbath. Amen? And that's because people with good intentions said, no, if we don't force people to do this, they're just going to do what they want and, and there'll be more accidents. So let's put some regulations in place. Can regulations go too far? Absolutely, of course. And we're not getting into a political discussion here today. I'm just uh, observing a few things. TSA, Transportation Security Agency, when you go through the airport, you have to go through the screeners and the scanners. And, and we gave up religious, or not religious, we gave up liberties after 9-11 because of legitimate fear of terrorist activity. And it's annoying. I, I don't like it, but I like being in the airport feeling safe. And so we, on the one hand, say, yeah, I don't like this control, but on the other hand, we say, it seems like it's for a good reason, so let's go ahead and just go with it. We pay our taxes because the Bible instructs us to, even though we don't like to be forced every spring to start gathering those tax documents. We're thankful that there are controls for our health uh, in restaurants. You're glad that the government makes them put up those signs, all employees must wash their hands before returning to work, before someone makes your salad or your burger. You're thankful that there's somebody that goes around and makes sure that rats aren't infesting the restaurant in the back that you can't see. So I won't belabor this point anymore, but I just want to say you can at one 
you can do two things at the same time. You, on one hand, can say to yourself, I don't like this government control in my life. But at the other hand, you can say, I, I can see how there can be good motivations behind it. As a church, did we like having to close down? Of course not. We love being with each other. We love being together. But as a church, we said, hey, we understand why this is happening. We're not, as a church, being unfairly discriminated against. Uh, the Buddhists are going through the same thing as we are, as the, our Jewish brothers and sisters. We understood. Uh, in the same way that the salons were going through these kinds of things. So on the one hand, we can say, yeah, it kind of scares me the more control the government tries to take. And as I think about vaccines and, and who knows where it's going to go with COVID vaccinations and COVID passports, and, you know, who knows where that's going to go. And we can say, yeah, I don't really, I'm not really comfortable with all that. But on the other hand, we can say, if it saves more lives, I can understand why people would want to do that kind of thing. So we can have these competing desires and competing um, interests in our mind that can still somehow find harmony. But I want to tell you, there's really a, a quite simple reason why I don't believe that the COVID vaccine is the mark of the beast. And it's simply this. I don't see it as fitting what the Bible describes. I mean, even if you take Revelation 13, 16 through 17, very, very literally, let me read it to you here. It says, and it forced all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hands or on their foreheads so that they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of its name. So if we take this very literally, um, where do vaccines typically go? They go on your arm, left shoulder, right shoulder. Uh, if I go in there and they say, okay, which side of your forehead do you want it on? I'm going to say, I'm at the wrong doctor because this is probably Botox. Uh, right? That would be terrifying. I mean, it's nice when you have something in your arm because I don't look. That's just me. When I get my blood drawn, I don't look. Maybe I'll get brave enough to look someday, but right now, mm-mm. I don't look, because <laughs> that's how I am. So very literally, it says it's on the right hand and in the forehead. Well, the vaccine's in the arm. It doesn't fit. And there are many other reasons why it doesn't fit. It's interesting, as you read different passages of the Bible, we see time and time again how people misunderstood the words of Jesus that were meant to be understood spiritually and symbolically, and they took it a little too literally. You ever have a friend who takes things too literally sometimes? <laughs> sometimes Sarah and I have confusion because one of us may misunderstand the intent of the other person's comments, right? So let me give you some examples. When the, when the people were looking for the Messiah to save them, were they thinking of a spiritual Messiah who was going to rescue them from their sins and die for their sins? No. Anita, 
what were they looking for? A conqueror, a commander, somebody who was going to beat back the Romans. And because they had misunderstood the intent of the prophecies, they were looking in the wrong area. Well, what about Jesus speaking to Nicodemus? Jesus said, unless you can be born again, you can't enter the kingdom. And what did Nicodemus say? I can't go back inside my mom's belly. That's, that's disgusting. I added a little emphasis there. You didn't, didn't catch that. <laughs> he misunderstood, apparently, what Jesus was trying to say. John chapter 4. Jesus is now at a well. He says to the woman at the well, Hey, if you knew what I have for you, the water that I'm offering you, you would never come back here again. And she's like, man, you don't even have a bucket to like lower down in the well. Jesus had to explain. He's talking spiritual, not literal physical. John chapter 6, Jesus lost a lot of followers that day. Jesus said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part in me. And whether it was because they were so grossed out or because they weren't ready to receive him as Messiah, many walked away. In fact, it's interesting. Let me read this to you. Talking about 666. John chapter 6, verse 66. After this, it says, From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Now, I don't put any special meaning in those numbers there. Numbers were added later, not inspired. But it is interesting. Jesus was speaking spiritually, and they, they misunderstood. They misunderstood. Jesus said, hey, destroy this temple, and in three days, I'll raise it back up again. And he was accused of saying, he's going to tear down the, the, the church, the temple. He's going to rebuild it. That took years to build. Jesus was talking about the temple of his body. Is it possible that as we look to Revelation, that sometimes we're looking too literally and we're missing the spiritual intent that's in the prophecy. I was listening to a preacher just this last week and he was talking about the dragon of Revelation chapter 12. And it's a red dragon. And he said, see, China, they love dragons and one of their main colors on their flag is red. And, and so now he's looking to China when what does Revelation chapter 12 tell us the dragon represents? Satan, that serpent of old called the dragon. So we need to be careful as we study prophecy. And you know, as you study Revelation 13 and 14, it's, it's overwhelming how symbolic that chap, those chapters are. So in Revelation chapter 13, there's a dragon. And it's not talking about a literal dragon, although that would be pretty cool. It's very symbolic, referring ultimately to Satan and then consequentially through the Roman Empire that worked uh, under the power of Satan. The beast of Revelation chapter 13, beast out of the sea. Is it literal or symbolic? Symbolic. Now, there are literal th things behind it, but we're not dealing with some like hideous monster. You know, that's just not 
how it was meant to be understood. The water and the sea of Revelation 13, literal or symbolic? Symbolic. The earth. We, we understand the earth in Revelation 13 to be a reference to America. The horns in Revelation 13, are they literal or are they symbolic? They're symbolic. The earth beast, which calls down fire from heaven. People have interpreted that literally, but my best understanding is that that is symbolic. The image to the beast, this giant statue, again, symbolic in nature. What about the seal of God that's mentioned in Revelation chapter 7? We receive it only in one place on the forehead. If we think that the mark is going to be like some tattoo or microchip or, or, or vaccination, then we'd have to say, to be fair, because the seal of God is the opposite of the mark of the beast, we should say that the seal of God is, is literal also. So is it like a, a heavenly vaccine? Uh, is it a heavenly microchip? I don't think so. Again, very symbolic. And, and we discussed it in an earlier seminar or series about the seal of God, the seal of salvation and the seal of protection. Those who are saved in Jesus now are sealed by the Holy Spirit. Next week, we're going to have an exciting baptism. I hope you'll be here for it. Um, at baptism, we receive a special blessing of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we're sealed by the Holy Spirit, saved by Jesus. The last days, the seal of God um, is for protection. So when we come to the mark of the beast in Revelation 13, it would be out of harmony with the rest of the imagery to all of a sudden say, no, this has to be interpreted only literally. It just doesn't quite make sense, uh, at least how my mind works. And again, we're not saying that there aren't literal things behind these images, um, but that's why I think much of the speculation about 666 and the mark of the beast is not even thinking in the right sort of categories. Uh, we need to look spiritually, symbolically, what are we dealing with here? Now, there may be questions about how things are enforced, and through that we get back to that control issue. But if we misunderstand the big point, the big picture, the big idea, then we may be causing ourselves some problems. Real quickly, I want to show you how the central issue in Revelation 13, 14 is worship and also obedience. I'm going to put some, some verses on the screen here for you to save your fingers from those paper cuts. Revelation chapter 12, verse 17, first of all, we'll see this here. The dragon, that's symbolic again. Satan was enraged with a woman. We believe that's the church, the people of God, and this is a historical description. And he went to wage war against the rest of her offspring, or the loipos, the rest, the remnant of her seed we've talked about previously. Those who keep the commandments and hold fast their testimony about Jesus. God's last day people are characterized in part by being obedient to him. Not because that earns them salvation, but because they love Jesus so much they wouldn't have it any other way. And then, of course, Revelation 14, 12. This calls for patient endurance on the part of God's people, God's end time people, who do what? They keep his commandments, and they remain faithful to Jesus. God's last day people are characterized by obedience to God. 
Let me show you here how Satan in the last days is trying to attack God's law. He's attacking that obedience. And I've showed you these slides before. Commandment number one in the Ten Commandments is, have no other gods before me. Well, what does the beast power do in Revelation 13? It seeks to get worship instead of God getting worship. Satan attacking commandment one. Commandment two says no idols, no images. Well, what happens in Revelation 13? There is an image to the beast that's formed. Satan is attacking commandment number two here in this imagery. Commandment number three, don't take God's name in vain. Well, what does the sea beast do? It's blaspheming left and right. Attacking God's third command. And then there's that fourth command. Remember the, what was it? The Sabbath day. Keep it holy. And in Revelation 13, very clearly, false worship is encouraged and tried to be forced. So there's this issue of God's commandments, and Satan doesn't like it when we're loyal to God. And so he attacks and tries to get these first four commandments, which deal specifically with our relationship to God, tries to get us to follow after himself and not after God. But let me show you uh, more specifically how worship is attacked in the last days. Revelation 13, verse 4. People worshipped who? The dragon. Satan has been wanting that worship for himself. They worshipped the dragon because he has given authority to the beast. And they also did what? They worshipped the beast and asked who is like the beast and who can make war against it. Here's another example. Revelation 13, verse 8. The Bible says all inhabitants of the earth will worship who? The beast, all whose names have not been written in the Lamb's book of life, the Lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. Revelation chapter 13, verse 12. It exercised all the authority of the first beast on its behalf and made the earth and its inhabitants to what? Worship the first beast whose fatal wound had been healed. The second beast was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast so that the image could speak and cause all who refused to what? To worship the beast, the image of the beast, to be killed. Revelation 14, all this effort to get us to worship the wrong things, now God is calling out in the last days, fear God and give him glory because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and the springs of water. Here's a quote from the fourth commandment. Calling us in the last days, worship God. And how do we do that? One of the ways is by worshiping and keeping the Sabbath holy. So there's this battle back and forth. Finally, a third angel followed them and said in a loud voice, if anyone worships the beast and his image and receives the mark on their forehead or on their hand. Do you see how... Receiving the mark and worshiping the beast are connected here. So false worship is connected with receiving the mark. Verse 14, uh, chapter 14, verse 11. The smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever. The effects of the punishment will be eternal. There will be no rest day or night for those who worship the beast and his image or for anyone who receives the mark of its name. It's interesting, in the last days, God calling people back to worshiping him and resting on the Sabbath. Those who reject the rest ultimately have no rest. 
And so we see very clearly worship is important. The big picture in the last days is one of Satan trying to get us to worship him and follow him, trying to get us to disobey God's law, and God in the last days lovingly appealing to us and asking us to follow after him. Yeah, there are worship issues involved, Sabbath Sunday issues involved. But the mark of the beast is not so much a, like a tattoo you have to worry about. I mean, if it was a tattoo, then you could just get the tattoo removed. You get it, it's forced on you. Oh no, I'm lost. Well, get it removed. I'm saved. It's much deeper than that. It, it, it can't just be something physical because that's not how God operates. God is looking at our hearts. He's looking at our minds. And we don't have to fear the mark of the beast if our hearts are loyal to Jesus. Now, we have rebellious hearts by nature, but that's why day by day we go back to Jesus and we say, Jesus, I give you my heart. Please give me that new heart today. Give me a heart that's willing to follow you no matter what. Give me the wisdom to know when to stand and when to hold my peace. Give me the wisdom as we move forward. Should we not pay attention to current events? No, of course we should. We should be concerned when our liberties are encroached upon. That should bother us. But at the same time, we also know the bigger issues that are at play. This issue of our loyalty to God. And Like I said, I'm not going to answer all your questions today about this topic, but I'm going to encourage you to go to YouTube and go to CCC SDA. Uh, look up that final event symposium. You'll find a lot of your questions will probably be answered through that. And we also have preached pre previous presentations on these topics. But I want to be somebody who, when it comes to my decisions, I say, Jesus, I want to follow you. Um, I want to choose you um, over anything else. There'll come a day when we have to make a very decided stand. I don't think that day is quite here yet. But are the building blocks being laid? Yeah, probably. Each year we go along, we get closer to the return of Jesus, and the stage is getting more and more set for those final events. Now is a time when we can continue getting to know our Savior better, when we can continue sharing the good news. Uh, while it's easy given the COVID circumstances. But while it's easy and, and we're free here in America to share the good news, we need to be active in doing that. You know, my grandma served uh, and has been so active in her church up in the, the Walla Walla area in College Place for years. Big church, village church. When I was a little boy, and I don't remember this, but I've been told this story multiple times. I was probably about this tall. My, my grandma was the Sabbath school superintendent, which means that she was the, one of the people who would sit up on the stage and she would be in charge of the special Sabbath school program. So as 
the superintendent, she would sit up there and would go up to the podium and have an opening prayer or make some remarks or so forth. And then she'd go back and sit down in her chair again. Well, one Sabbath, I guess my parents maybe were out of town or whatnot, but my, my grandma was babysitting me that day. And so, since she was superintendent and she was on the stage, guess who was sitting right next to her on the stage? Little young John that doesn't remember this. Sitting right next to her. And when it was her turn to go up to the microphone and say a few words, where do you think I went? Now, it would have made sense to just stay back there, but for some reason, I felt more comfortable being right here. As all those people were out there, and maybe I was a little nervous, a little shy, I was more comfortable right here, even though I wasn't going to say anything. And when she went and sat back down again, guess who went and sat back down again? Whenever she'd get up, I would get up. Whenever she'd go back down, I would go back down. You know, Revelation chapter 14 describes God's people who are saved as being ones who follow Jesus, the Lamb, wherever he leads. How do you avoid the mark of the beast in the last days? Well, put it simply, you just go where Jesus goes. You stick close to him. If you're by his side and he's by your side and he's helping you be by his side, then you don't have anything to worry about. All will be oh. I want to stick next to Jesus. How about you? I'm thankful that his power enables us to, because we're weak. We can't even do it on our own. But I want more of his help this week than I did last week. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you just love us so much. You share prophecies with us so that we can be more prepared. And there's a lot of details we didn't talk about today, Lord, but the big picture is we want to be with you now, tomorrow, the next day, and forever. We've realized and we've come to the point in our lives where we, just, we can see clearly that um, you know best for us, uh, better than we know what's best for us. And if there's anybody that can guide us safely through an uncertain future, it's you. So we pray that you will lead us step by step, give us the peace and, and comfort in our hearts, even as we live in an uncertain world, and give us joy as we serve you day by day. Please come back soon. Thank you uh, for providing salvation before we were even born. We accept it again today, and we say thank you, thank you, thank you. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a happy Sabbath, and uh, get outside and enjoy that sunshine today.